This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. So uh, once again, we are in the month of October, which is set aside for our Pastor Appreciation Month. And this year, our our topic is understanding and embracing the gifts of pastor. So that's what we've all been teaching on this month. Um, tonight, my specific topic is going to be about how to embrace the gift of pastor. So my objective is the same objective that everybody has, to make sure you understand and embrace the gift of pastor. And what I'm focusing on is how to embrace the gift of pastor. First of all, I'll go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So even though I'm going to focus on embracing the gift of pastor, I am going to go a little bit into understanding the gift of pastor. I think the ministers that have come before me, they have beautifully laid out a lot of things. Most of the stuff that they said, I'm not going to repeat. So remember it. Bring it to your remembrance because I'm building on what they said. So just know that everything that I said hooks into what they're saying. So First Thessalonians. I told you about Thessalonians, right? Okay. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 12 through 15. Verse 12 says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So, we're going to kind of break that up into two pieces here. So, verses 12 and 13, it says, if you see you, we want to come in and we want to talk to you about this. It says, know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Those who, who work among you, those who are over you, those who are your leaders. And what he's saying is that you know which is honor. So Minister Hill talked about honor on Sunday. So we are to honor our pastor. And it says, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So we're supposed to esteem them very highly, and I was looking this up, in love. And I'm going to say in the love of God, okay, so that we can be clear about these things. For their work's sake. For what they do for what they accomplished, for what they put their hands to. And then it just seems like it just kind of takes a little switch, doesn't it? And be at peace among yourselves. So they were telling you first to labor, to um, highly esteem the, the, the leader, but then it says be at peace among yourselves. So apparently that has to have something to do with each other, right? So, and then it says, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. So tonight what I want to show you is I want to show you how those, those verses flow. So why is it that if you can honor and highly esteem the gift of pastor, how we can live at peace among ourselves and how we can admonish one another. That's what we will do. If we embrace the gift of pastor, that's what we'll do. So if we can understand, if we cannot understand and embrace the office of pastor, 
excuse me, we cannot understand and embrace the office of pastor unless we understand and embrace the work of the pastor. If we don't know the purpose of the office of pastor, we don't understand it. If we don't understand it, we can't embrace it. So if we get confused as to what the pastor is here for, there's no way we can embrace what she's doing. So God established the office of pastor. God calls those that are placed in the office of pastor. Those that God has called as pastors don't do their own work. They do God's work. So let's go over to um, Jeremiah chapter 3. And we, we've looked at this several times this month, but I just want to show it to you again so we can just flow. So Jeremiah chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So the pastors to feed the flock with knowledge and understanding according to God's standard. So what the pastor does, it comes from God. The pastor comes from God's heart. Flip over to Jeremiah 23. We're just going to read a couple of more verses. And I thought this was interesting um, when I saw this. So Jeremiah 23, we're going to read just verses 3 and 4. It says, And I will gather the remnant of my flock, out of all the countries whither I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and increase. So here we go. God is bringing his people to, to their, their place, to this place, and they should be fruitful and increase. So they're going to be productive. And then this is what he says, And I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So that's what God said he's going to do. He's going to put us in a place where we can have increase and we can be productive, but guess what? He's going to set up shepherds. What do we learn the pastor word? It's a shepherd. So that's what the, the pastor does. He feeds, she feeds us so that we can be fruitful and increase. The pastor answers to God, not the people. So, you don't have to like what the pastor does. You, you know what? That is not your business. You know, I, I was trying not to say, I was thinking as I was preparing to don't say nothing harsh like that. Well, I messed up. I did. It's not your business. Whatever it is, you, you go talk to God about it. And this is why. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to figure out why um, it's really not your business. You know, um, the pastor answers to God. So whatever she does, she's going to have to answer to God for. So if you have a problem with that, then you need to go to God. You don't need to go to people. You know, we, we, we've gone through this change, and I don't believe, you know, I think a lot of people thought that the change was easy for some people, or the change is easy for some people. Change, I won't, won't say it's easy, I won't say it's hard, it's just change. It's a transition, it's moving, it's going from a place that you're comfortable in to something different. And there's some uncomfort in it. So there's, I don't think that there's anybody in here who could say, yeah, this change has been a piece of cake. I hadn't, I just been laying back, you know, on the inner tube, floating, drinking a cup of tea. No. The thing about it is the ones that you think it looks easy for, those people have been going to God. That, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing. You know, I was thinking about it and 
And I was thinking about, you know, the next generation, and then it was like the, the, the people who are on the field and then the coaches. Well, like the age groups that were mentioned, guess what? I didn't fall into any of those age groups. I was right there in the middle. But you know what? I said, well, God, you, you still have me here. That means that I have a purpose. So, you know, I went to God with those things. I didn't go tell somebody. I didn't say, well, you know, Pastor Hill, you didn't mention my age. I didn't go to anybody and say, you didn't mention my age. What am I supposed to do? No, I went to God. Because God was like, did I say, did you think the age, you think just because it was a certain age range that I, I'm leaving you out, you still here? So a lot of times, and this is going back to the pastor answering to God, she doesn't have to explain to you what she's doing. She's answering to God. She has to feed you with the word. So what you have to do, and we're going to talk about this with embracing, is you have to embrace that word and you have to act on it. So when you come up against things like that, don't sit around and hold on to that stuff. Talk to God about it. Don't talk to people. The first thing you need to do with the first thing you need to do is you need to ask God how to appropriate the things that He's given you. What I mean is where do you put that in your life? Because you'll hear a word and you'll get excited about it, and then you'll try to go jump and do something that you're not supposed to do. Because you didn't ask God how to appropriate that word. So when you hear things, you ask God what to do with that. So when you, the pastor does not answer to you. So if you have a little problem or you got a little itch or whatever, go to God with that, okay? And you know what? When somebody brings you some mess like that, when somebody brings you some mess like that, go to, you know what? First of all, say, look, this, this is what I was, this is the first thing. I did not go on a 31 day fast for you to come to me with no mess. Secondly, I'm not going to mess up hearing from God for you. Thirdly, get out of my face. I'm going to go pray about this. And you need to, too. Tell them all those things. In fact, you, when you go listen to SoundCloud, write down exactly what I said. And then you can say, Sister Castile told me to tell you. And if, that, if, you, don't, if you can't say it, come get me. Because it's time out. Minister Hill said it the other day. This is time for spiritual maturity. And we don't have time for crazy mess. And that is crazy mess, okay? So you, this is not even in my notes, and I'm going to run out of time. For, y'all making me talk about this, but I'm going to finish this. But we don't have time for that kind of stuff. We do not. We are wall builders. We are wall builders. If you don't want to be a wall builder, then don't be one, but don't come in here with your mess thinking you're going to mess up my wall building, okay? Because if I see it, I'm going to call you out. And if I see you messing with somebody else, guess what? I'm also a watchman on the wall. So let me tell you, I'm watching. I'm watching, and I know how to ask God to give me vision. So there you go. Boom. All right? Okay, now I'm going to get back on my notes. Okay, calm down. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. And, and you know, God, he, he, he can do what he wants to do because he's God. But he's so great, he explains things to us. And I look at it, you know, I, I look at the teachings that we've had this month and just the explanation of the office of pastor. Just the explaining, just going in line by line, precept upon precept. And God has just given us that so we can grasp it and hold on to it so that in times when you get a little shaky, you have that. But we're going to read Ephesians 4 and and we're going to see something that, you know, God really doesn't even have to explain that to us, all right? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 13. Verse 7 says, But unto every one of us is grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So unto every one of us is grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Remember that. We're going to come back to that later on. Wherefore, he saith, 
When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. So Jesus led captivity. That which had us captive, he led that captive. So he took that for us. He's the victor. And he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is, he, what is it but he, that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come into in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, we're going to go right to verse 8. It says, um, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. So, in, in a military campaign, when there's a war, the victor has the right to give gifts to those who identify with him. So, who's the victor? Christ. He's won the victory for us over sin and death. He's redeemed us, so he's the victor. So guess what? Since he's the victor, he has rights to give gifts to those who identify with him. Because he's the victor, guess what? He doesn't have to explain his choices. So like earlier I just said, God is so good to us, he explained these things to us, but he could just say, I'm God. Get with it. And you know what? We should take that. The explanation, we love the explanation. It's great because it gives us understanding. It allows us to grow. But he can choose who who he wants because he's God. He's the victor. He doesn't have to explain his choices. Those who he has chosen, those who he has chosen, must operate in the grace that have been given to them. So you can see there in verse 11 says, and he gave some. So to some people, he, he's going to give this grace to be, in this case, what we're talking about, pastor, teacher. So to some, not to everyone, he gives that grace. But if you look back over in verse 8, well, excuse me, verse 7, it says, but unto every one of us is grace given Unto, uh, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. There's grace given to all of us. So, some people get those gracings in verse 11 and 12. Our pastor has that gracing in verse 12. But we have a different grace, and we have to accept the grace, the call that he's placed on her as believers. As a congregation, we have to understand, we must understand that we have no say in God's order. If you can understand that, it's going to make your things a lot smoother for you. God is going to speak to his people through the authority that he's ordained. He's not going to go outside of his authority. God ordained the office of pastor. God chooses the specific person to serve in the office of pastor. So we must embrace the office of pastor and the person who God chooses to place in the office of pastor. In order to embrace the office of pa- the office and the person who's in the office of pastor, we must understand and embrace the work of the pastor. So basically what I said just then is God does the choosing. God does the gracing. In order for us to understand and embrace that, we have to embrace the office, we have to embrace the person, and we have to embrace the work. 
we, we keep talking about God's purpose, God's purpose. Like in family life, we're talking about God's purpose in the family. What is, what is God accomplishing through the family? What is God accomplishing through the pastor? So, the work of the pastor, and it says here in verses, um, oh, verse 12 and 13, it says, the work of the pastor, it says, it says the, these gifts here, the work of those, is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, the work of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to edify or promote growth of the body of Christ, to bring into unity of the faith and to acknowledge the Son of God, that's to bring us into unity, and to bring all to a perfect man that is having the integrity and the maturity of Christ. So that is what the pastor's doing. That's what she's going to be doing in her feeding. That's what it should accomplish. So once we understand that work, we are to embrace it. So we've looked at a few de- definitions early about what embrace means. So I just want to give you one so we can keep it in context. So embrace simply means to receive. To take to one's heart. To avail oneself of or to make benefit of. To receive wholeheartedly. So to embrace means to receive, to take to one's heart, to avail oneself of or to make benefit of and to receive wholeheartedly. So we have to embrace the work of the pastor and then we can embrace the office and the person who's in the office. If you think that the pastor is here for any other reason than what we just said, then you're not embracing the work. You know, I was thinking about this, and you know, um, a lot of times, and not just in this ministry, but in other local ministries, people, I, I, I call it, their spiritual Google. That's what they think the pastor is. They read something in the Bible, and they don't understand it, so they just come to the pastor and just ask him this random question. You know, like, that, that's not what the pastor's for. The pastor's not here to be your friend. The pastor's not here to find you a mate. The pastor's not here to run your life. You know, you, you don't want to make your decision, so you come to say, I, I just need some spiritual guidance on what kind of car to buy. No, that's not what the pastor does. And, you know, so many times, you know, and, and the, the, that's not what it, so many times nowadays it is so much unbalanced in what goes on. You've got those who lightly or don't esteem the pastor. And just like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, 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 calling them by their first name, you know, all those kind of things. That are just disrespectful. And then you got those who put their pastor on a pedestal like that, they're God. And that, that's neither, neither, neither case. We, uh, the pastor's worthy of double honor, but we have to remember that the pastor is a gift of God. So when we don't have the right view of what the pastor's here for, there's no way we can embrace what they are doing. So, embracing the gift of pastor is an inward response that produces actions and a lifestyle that will be seen outwardly. Embracing the gift of pastor is a heart issue that results in habitual action. So what I'm saying here is, in that definition of embrace, it was to take to one's heart. So that means that if you embrace the gift of pastor, of course it's a heart issue. We keep telling you it's a heart issue. But that heart issue is going to spring forth actions in your life. It's going to spring forth 
a lifestyle. It's going to spring forth a way you live that will be seen by other people. So you'll have, and it won't be just a one-time thing. It'll be something you do. It'll be a lifestyle. You know, I was thinking, you know, we do a lot of things for our pastor during this month. And, um, you know, that is not embracing the pastor. Our tokens of love and respect, all our cards, our well wishes, our, our kind words, all the things that we do, those are byproducts of embracing the gift of passion. And so what is a byproduct? Because we have to understand, you know, we, we, we have to understand why that's there. So when I say byproduct, what do I mean? A byproduct happens when the process of making one thing results in a second product as well. It's an incidental or secondary product made in manufacture or synthesis of something else. It's a secondary result unintended but inevitably produced in doing something or producing something else. So when we embrace the gifts of pastor, we will have those tokens of love and respect. Those things will just come. It's not that we're trying to get to that point. That's not what we're trying to do, but it's a byproduct of that. You know, um, I, work, I work at an agency. We uh, regulate oil and gas. And there are certain fuels, like the things that you use, in, like propane and stuff, those are byproducts of making, like refining oil. They don't set out to make those, that, that, that thing, but they make it. And guess what? We pay for it. It's, it's, it's an unintended consequence, but inevitably it's produced. So you don't have to try. So the thing about it is embracing your pastor has to happen 365 days of the year. And next year it's going to happen 366 days of the year because it's a leap year. So guess what? Next month, all those byproducts and throughout the year, when, when you want to give something to your pastor, there should be byproducts of you embracing her. But it's not the thing that we set out. It's not the actual product. So in order... To embrace the gift of pastor, let's look back over here in Ephesians um, chapter 12. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13 here. So in order to embrace the gift of pastor, we must be equipped or perfected for the work of the ministry. So in verse 12 it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So that word perfected could also be equipped. So when we embrace the gift of pastor, it means that we embrace being equipped for the work of the ministry. So what does that mean to be equipped? It means to call something to be ready for its assigned purpose, a preparation or a training that fully qualifies. I'm going to read that to you again. Equipped is to call something to be ready for its assigned purpose, a preparation or training that fully qualifies. So, back over there in verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace. So, we have a purpose. To be equipped means that you are getting ready, being prepared for that purpose. And this preparation of this training fully qualifies. That's what the work of the pastor does. So, if you're not ready to be trained, if you're not ready to be prepared, if you're not embracing that training, if you're not embracing that preparation, then you're not embracing the work of uh, the work of the pastor. You're not em- uh, embracing the gift of pastor because you're not embracing that work. So what does that mean? You don't want to be trained. You don't want to be prepared. 
You don't want to learn. You don't want to learn. You don't want to take correction. Um, to be prepared for the work of ministry, you have to be prepared in the Word. There are things, you're, there, are, there are byproducts that are come from that, but you've got to learn God's order. You know, you have to be in position. You have to be in right standing with God. And you can't go away from that. So what the pastor does is they, she's coming in and she's going to teach. She's going to correct. She, she just may exhort. She's going to give instruction. And you have to accept that. You have to have it in your heart so that you can be equipped. God knows what we need to be complete and prepared. We don't know. You know, we don't know. We have no idea. God gives the details to the pastor. He, he doesn't come through and give all of us different details and say, okay, now all y'all go because we'd be like chickens with our heads cut off every way, running every way. God gives the details to the pastor. Remember, he said he's going to give us pastors after his own heart that would feed us with knowledge and understanding. So the pastor gives the details to the congregation. And it's up to each individual member of the congregation to accept, that means to embrace that information, submit to, and obey what the pastor has given them from God. That's the only way you're going to become equipped, or that's the only way you're going to become prepared or perfected. So, in order to embrace the gift of pastor, the second thing is we must edify the body. So this preparation... It's not just for you to say, I'm prepared. Yay, I'm so great. I got all these things. I know all these things. I can do all these things. No. Remember, it's not about you. God places us into the body as he sees fit. And you are here, each and every one of us is here is to, or is here to supply for someone else. So once we're equipped, we must step into service. And the thing about it is, when we say service, we know I know where everybody's mind jumps to. Ministry of Health, right? But you know there's service that has nothing to do with the Ministry of Health. There are sometimes we're not doing anything in the ministry, right? You know, like what what um, the holidays are coming up. Church is going to be closed. You think God doesn't want you to edify the body on Christmas? So. There are things that God is saying, okay, now you've heard this word. Now I need you to apply it, and I need you to give something to somebody else. All I need you to do is obey. I don't need you to worry about what you're trying to give and how you're going to give it. Just obey. But that's, that's the service. You're serving God. You're, you are serving His purpose. That's what He's saying. I need you to be prepared to serve my purpose. So once we're equipped, equipped we step into service. And then... All believers are to serve each other spiritually. So we have something to give to each other. So what does edify mean? So we have to edify the body. Edify means to build up, making more able, strengthen. So when I, you know, when I read it, I thought, I just thought about wall builders. I thought about wall builders because we're to strengthen. We're to build up. You know, like I said earlier, you know, I'm a watchman. You should be a watchman on the wall, too. So if you see some stuff going on, what did you blow the trumpet? So we, have to, we have to be there to strengthen one another. And that's what that, the work of the pastor is to make sure that we're in position to do that. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4, same, same chapter. We're just going to look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together 
and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So the body supplies for itself as long as we're in the right spot. So once again, you've got to be equipped. Once you're equipped and you're ready and you're prepared, then you can start to edify. You can be put in that spot and you can, be, you can edify. You can edify the body. Sometimes the body's not healthy because we're not in the right position. We're not doing what we're supposed to be. Or maybe we're in the right position, but we've not accepted the equipping or the preparation that we needed. The pastor is given to help and encourage the entire body to function in ministry. But ministry, and a lot of times when you hear the word ministry, you think of who stands up here. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about service to God. Service to God is a task of all believers. It, it, God, you know, God did not put you here to be a little play pretty. He didn't put you here to put on a shirt that says, what, what do we say now, faith or whatever, you know. I was looking at some stuff, I'm like, everybody's talking about believe and all this stuff. I'm like, y'all yeah, not Christian, because I saw, I was looking at some clothes. And I was like, I saw what was on the other page, and now this page you want to have something with faith on. No, y'all fooling with me. But the thing about it is we're not just supposed to have on a T-shirt or, or put a little fish sticker on our car and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're supposed to serve God. We're supposed to work the ministry. Our service should be for the common good of the body. It's, it is not about us. It is not about us. It's not about you individually. Believe it or not, it's, it's about Church of Living Water, but it's about Church of Living Water's part of what God is doing as a whole. So you, you have to remember it's God's purpose. And as believers, we all have a work to do in that purpose. There is not an insignificant person in God's plan. The only You, you make yourself insignificant because you don't want to do what God calls you to do. But as a believer, you have a position that should edify the body. So, in order to embrace the gift of pastor, we have to be equipped for the work of the ministry. We have to um, edify the body. That means build up, get in position, build up, do what we're supposed to do. Then we must walk in unity. So, here we go. Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. So, that, that is so interesting. Because if you notice, it says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Unity means oneness, togetherness. What unity does not mean, it does not mean sameness. It does not mean sameness. And so many times we assume because we say unity and oneness, it means that we all have to be alike. We all have to think alike. We don't. Have, we do have to think alike when it comes to the faith. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But you can enjoy Westerns, and I can like romantic comedy. You can not put up a Christmas tree, and I can decorate to the hills. Guess what? That's fine. That has nothing to do with unity. What has to do with unity, let's go over to Ephesians verses 4, 1 through 6. Now, really, I would just start at 3, but what I really want to talk about, but guess what? 1 and 2 are a byproduct of 3. So, here we go. So, verse uh, verse. One says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, 
with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So what is this unity? Because there is one body and one spirit, spirit, even as ye are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. So there's the oneness. There's the oneness that we have to be in. There's the unity. It's, it's what we believe. It's that we believe we have that. We're in the body. This oneness, this unity, it only exists because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we have to manufacture. We don't have to be, we don't have to try to walk in oneness if we're being led by the Spirit. Guess what? If we're being led by the Spirit, we will walk in oneness because there's one Spirit. There's one Lord. There's one faith. That's what we have. That's what we have and that's what unifies us. What unifies us is greater than what we, the differences that we have. There are differences that we have. You know, we have difference in background. We have differences in uh, family, uh, socioeconomic status. We have difference in skin color. And guess what? That is fine. That does not stop us from walking in the unity of the faith. Even greater than that is we have differences in gifts. Because we're talking about the gift of pastor. She has a different gift than all of us have. We don't have that gift. But all of us have a gift. And it's for the body. Remember I talked about edifying the body? I'm breaking these up into one, two, three, and four, but they all go together. So Sarah has a gift, and she goes into the body. I have a gift. It's different. And I go to the body in another place. And I do something totally different. And Shana has something. And she goes into the body in a different place. And then Sister Anita has something. Brother Richards, Brother Rodriguez. All of us have something. And God puts us in those places. And we're different. And we're different, but you know what brings us together? It's the unity of the faith. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit that ties us together. You know what? The pastor, the pastor, that's what they do. They make sure that we understand that unity, that we understand. And you know what? They make sure that it's always before us. You know, we just, we had teaching on oneness earlier this year, just a few months ago. That's what, that's what it was, is to remind us, this is what we have. This is where we're walking towards. Unity, the thing about it is the Holy Spirit, it brings us in and it, it unifies us. But we have to pursue unity because there are those differences. And guess what? The devil, our adversary, does not want us to know about unity. He doesn't want us walking in unity because then we're going to start edifying each other. We're going to start edifying the body and things are going to start happening. So it's the work of the pastor, the shepherd, to come in and make sure that we as sheep are doing exactly what we're supposed to do. We're in line where we're supposed to be in line. And you know, like, I've never seen sheep in real life, but I've seen them on movies. And like, they have a whole bunch of sheep. And you know, the sheep won't be in a straight line, but they will all be together because there are differences. But we're all still together. So that's what we have to remember. We don't all have to be the same. But we all believe the same thing. We have the same hope. We're all being led by the same Holy Spirit. And guess what? That's the work of the pastor. Not to bring us in unity, but to remind us and to teach us what unity is. And then when, when that disunity comes in, when, when, that, when it's seen, because, you know, the pastor's the overseer, when she sees those things, to come in and teach and correct so that we can be brought back in. So that's the unity that we have. In order to embrace the gifts of pastor, you must spiritually mature. 
So that is a very big deal. And I want to say this. When we think about spiritual maturity, let, let me read this right here real quick in um, verse, um, I believe it's, where are we? 13. Um, I'm just going to read the whole thing here. It says, so we just talked about till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And then the next part, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that word perfect there is mature. And with spiritual maturity, you know, the best way to explain it is when you, in every stage of our life, there's certain places we're supposed to be. Like I, I, physically I'm talking about now. So you think about... Um, a baby is born at a certain time. Even when the baby is conceived, there are certain, like you can go and they'll say, at, you look at those little things, at one week after conception, it does this. At, after this amount of time, it has a heartbeat, and it has this, and these things are forming, and these things are forming. And then at, at the end, when the due date comes, the baby is born, and the baby can do certain things. Now, if you are premature, you may not have those things. As Believers, some of us may be at different positions or places in our walk. Maybe some people have been saved less time and other people have been saved more time. That's just like us physically. You're not going to take a five-year-old and they're not going to be able to reach that microphone because it's too tall for them. Because they're not, they're, they're where a five-year-old should be. But as you mature, you know, like you think of a little boy, their voice changes. You don't have a six-year-old boy sounding like a 20-year-old man. But the six-year-old, when you look at the six-year-old, they're the height, they're the weight. Everything's maturing like it's supposed to be maturing. That's the way we are as believers. You don't have a cop-out to be spiritually immature. No matter how long you've been saved, no matter how long you haven't been saved, there is a position that you're supposed to be in. So that's why I said all that. There, there, there's a flow you're supposed to be going in. You're, you're supposed to be line upon line, precept upon precept. You're supposed to be getting the information and putting it in your heart no matter where you are. So we all have the ability to be spiritually mature no matter where you are in your Christian walk. So, um, I jumped ahead a little bit. So, so to perfect, it means to be mature, fully equipped, completely furnished. That means to have everything that you need at the time you need it. Like I was just saying, a five-year-old boy does not have to have a deep voice because that's not what they need then. But as they grow, they need that because certain hormones have kicked in in their body and that's what it produces. If you're not maturing, you're not embracing the pastor. God's expectation is that every believer becomes mature grows in spiritual understanding, and produces fruit. It is not, like I said earlier, nobody has a cop-out to not to be spiritually immature. You can't. If you're spiritually immature, God is saying, no, I'm not expecting that of you. I expect you to be mature. I expect you to grow in spiritual understanding. And I expect you to produce some fruit. So I was looking at this, and I was saying, well, you know what? Our current pastor, she embraced the office, the person, and the work of our founding pastor. And I'm sure, I didn't know her then, but I'm sure any other pastor that she had or she wouldn't be where she is now. 
That's why God can use her. You know, God is amazing. God is amazing. Most of us, our founding pastor, we didn't get to see him as any in any other office or any other gift but pastor. Never saw him submit to a pastor. But guess what? Our current pastor, we've seen her submit to a pastor. I, y'all think about it. If you need an example of of how to embrace the pastor, how to understand the pastor, she's sitting right there. She's sitting right there. That's why God said, I can use her. I can use her because she's done what she's supposed to do. She she saw the gift of pastor. She understood it. She took it into her heart and she acted. She embraced it. She said, I'm going after that wholeheartedly. So, it, I mean, when you think about it, I know Minister Hayson says it all the time, God is doing a great work. He has done a great work. That's amazing to me, y'all. You, just think about it. Whatever, I know sometimes, sometimes my time. But sometimes I know like uh, something happened, it was years ago. And, and, and for those of you who do not go on the shopping trip, you are missing out. You are missing out, and I'm talking about fun stuff, but I'm also, be, your life will be sewn into. Because we get to see our pastor in a relaxed setting. You get to see her in, in, in situations where we don't necessarily get to see her here. And I've seen her in a lot of situations, you know, with people in stores and stuff like that. And let me tell you, she always acts with compassion. She always shows spiritual maturity. And, and you know, never seen her lose a cool. Just always, even even in situations where you're like, I don't know how she going to talk this. You know, I'm not, what, I, I know what I would do. And it probably get me in a lot of trouble, but but you know what? She shows compassion, but she never wavers from the standard of God. I remember once it was a situation, and I was like, "Okay, God, I know that I need to be compassionate here. I don't want to be because I know if I'm not, it's going to not be good. But I also need to be a little bit stern. How, how do I do this? And guess who he brought to my mind? My pastor. I said, yeah, she does that all the time. I said, well, okay, I can do that. Because guess what? God, God is, she, he's given us an end sample. He's given us an end sample, people. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, you don't need to know why God does anything. But the fruit is right here. The fruit is right here. Just, just look at what God is doing. He, he's showing us right here in our midst. And it's just amazing to me. So God expects us to embrace the gift of pastor. We need to spiritually mature. We need to walk in unity. We need to edify the body, and we need to be uh, equipped. So how do we embrace the, the, the uh, gift of pastor? How do we embrace the gift of pastor? Go over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we're going to read verses... 21 and 22. Verse 21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So, how do we embrace the gift of pastor? Be a doer of the word. It's, it's really simple. Get rid of all that hinders you from hearing the word, all that uh, filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, all that craziness going on. Get rid of all that. 
Come in, hear the word. After you've heard the word, do what the word says. It's that simple, right? I know. It's, it, that's how God is. Because you know what? I, I know my mind. If you give me a lot of stuff, I'm like, God, I can't remember all that. But God's like, it's that simple. Hear the word, do the word. Go to Matthew chapter 13. So how do we hear the word? You know, it is, it is simple, but I'm going to give you guys a little bit more explanation. So Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 3 through 8. And then we're going to go down to verse 18 through 23. So Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, and this he is, is Jesus. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. So let's jump over to um, verse 18. So now that was the parable. So now Jesus is going in and now he's talking to his disciples. They've kind of gone away from everybody else. And now he's going to explain to them this parable. So verse 18 says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which was received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath no root in him, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and become unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringeth forth some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. So we know that this is the parable of the sower and the seed. And the seed is the word. So the seed is sown to us. And there are different ways we can respond to that seed being sown. When the seed is sown, the seed is not sown. Once again, the purpose of the seed is not for it to just lay there. The purpose of the seed is for it to produce fruit. So we have, we have four types of, of, of people here, four types of hearers here. Only one, one of those groups produce fruit. So there's a lot of ways not to produce fruit. And there's one way to produce fruit. And that's through Christ. But we're going to get back into this. We want to take it aside. We're going to stay here. So the first one is the wayside here. So I was looking at this, and I was reading about this. So like what they would do is they would they would um, they kind of plow their land, and they plow rows. But of course, there's space in rows. If you've ever been in a, a big garden, you'll know that there's space for people to walk by. And that land's not actually plowed, so it's hard. 
that's the wayside here. That's when the seed just falls there and it just kind of stays. There's no understanding. So the wayside here may hear the word, but they don't t- take time to get the understanding. They just kind of let it lay there and the enemy comes in and snatches it up. He sees that they're not doing nothing with it. They're not preparing their heart. So they don't get an understanding, so they bear no fruit. So then we have those who don't take root. They can't take the pressure or the heat. These are the people that hear the word, and it falls in, and it gets in there a little bit, but they still have a stony heart. So when the root tries to go down, it can't penetrate that stony heart. So these people usually start out in excitement. They like the word. They're like, oh, yes, we're, we're here. But they can't endure because they won't allow God to change their heart. So like the word comes forth and it's really good and it's really good until it gets on that thing you don't want to give up. And God says, no, you got to give that up. you got to change that. And you're like, nope. So guess what? You're like, no, I'm, I'm not letting that take root. So as soon as something comes up against that, the persecution or anything like that, the, the, the fruit dies. It withers away. You can't bear fruit because it had no root and you didn't let it take root. So the weeds. So what the weeds, they're a little different. The weeds, they'll let it take root, but they let other things get in. So the people, you know, I think about it like this. And this is just the way this could feel. I believe most Christians today are probably the weeds. Because they refuse to sell out to God's purpose. They still hold on to what they want to do. That's the other thing that's in your heart. You haven't made God your only. So you've got the word of God trying to grow up with your purpose. And God's not sharing. God said, no, either I'm in there or let it go. So guess what? These, the ones with the weeds, they let the weeds take over. So they can't bear any fruit because it chokes out the word of God. These are the people who can't come on Wednesday night because they got to do whatever. They're tired. They can't come on Sunday evening because they got to watch football. They can't be in the ministry of health or they can't come to the fellowship because they have all these other things to do. i got to work extra. All these other things. Those are the weeds. These are the ones that can't be what God called them to be because they got to go find a husband or a wife. Those are the weeds. And, and I'm going to just stay on topic. But... Those are the distractions. Those are the things you give yourself over to. And God is saying, no. Take that out of your heart and let me be the only. Because you can't bear fruit when you have other things in there. So, there's no way you can embrace the pastor when you have all those other things in there. Because we're going after the purpose of God. So, those three types of hearers didn't produce fruit. The reason they didn't produce fruit were different, but the result of it was the same, no fruit. So they, they did not produce fruit. So you can say, well, this is a I'm not a wayside here. I'm a weed. I'm a weed here. You still don't have no fruit. The end result's the same, you know. The end result's the same. You know, it's like, it, do, it doesn't matter. You don't produce fruit. So the last one, the one that, that, that was bearing fruit, the one that received it on the good ground. So what, what, is, what is good ground? So I talked about earlier when you're sowing, they plow up the ground. They plow up the ground to make it soft so that the soft ground gets in there. And so when the water comes in, when the word comes in, the word can sink down in there. And then the seed comes in, and guess what? The seed now, not only, first of all, the seed's going to take root. It's going to take root and it's going to grow down. We learned this. Our pastor talked this years ago. The seed goes in and the first thing it does, it doesn't just start shooting up. It starts taking root. 
So that's that inward. Remembering your heart is that inward thing. And it doesn't seem like that it is anything is happening. And this is, like I was saying earlier, there's always a place you should be in spiritual maturity. So if you've just been saved, it may not seem, or maybe you've just uh, accepted a truth, and you don't see the fruit of that because it's taking root in your heart. So make sure to keep that, that, that soil right in your heart plowed up so that it can continue to take root. So once the seed takes root in their heart, they let it. They make sure that their heart is always pliable to God. They make sure that they continue to hear the Word, so that the Word waters that. And that it takes root, and then they can grow. They endure. They endure the pressures. So here's the thing. To bear fruit, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a process. The seed is sown. It looks like nothing's happening, and you think, oh, my God. But they, the, the person who bears fruit endures the pressure. They love God with all. They're not letting other weeds get in there. So it's always the tending, like, oh, wait, no, that's the wrong thought. No, no, I think I'm putting too much focus on work. I'm too, putting too much focus on this. i got to get back and stay with where I'm supposed to be with God. And then they mix the word with faith. Here's the thing. What does it mean to mix the word with faith? Because we saw, we, we all had that in our, our packet in the fast. What does it mean to mix the word with faith? Faith means you believe something. When you believe something, you act on something. So to mix the word with faith, first of all, you have to hear the word. So hear with your ears, and also you have to be attentive to it. So you can be here, and I know Wednesday night is hard. We all been to work. It's the middle of the week. I don't know about y'all. Traffic was bad for me. I was like, what? But guess what? When you come here, you got to be here. you got to be present. You can't be thinking about, am I going to have time to run, grab something to eat, or am I going to have to just get a snack? You know, all those things, you got to push those out. You have to hear the word. Then you have to get the proper understanding. Remember I talked about praying for how to ask God to show you how to apply the word, to appropriate your word in your, the word in your life, you have to get that understanding. And you have to get God's revelation on that. And then you have to act on it. With all of that, you have to act on it because you believe it. You believe it. You know, you have faith. Faith, you know, when James says, if you show me, I'll show you my faith by my work. So if you have faith, there's going to be a corresponding action. So to mix the word with faith means you hear the word, and then you act on what you heard. And once again, you have to get the understanding, because don't act on what you... Spiritual understanding. Spiritual hearing. That's what we're acting on. And then you act on the word, and you don't do it one time. You bear fruit. You know, it says there are some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Everything that I read said it wasn't about necessarily the amount of fruit. It was just that they were bearing fruit. We are to be fruitful. We are to be productive. We should always be bearing fruit. So you can't mix the word with faith one time. You have to do it all the time. It has to be habitual. It has to be continual. It has to be your lifestyle. It has to not, you have to be um, purposeful about doing it. You have to do it on purpose. But it also should be almost to the point where you don't think about it. it should, you, you should get there. That's, that's getting to spiritual maturity. Where it will be harder for you not to do it than to do it. But that's the process. If you need to start out, start out. And then it'll just keep going that way. So to bear fruit, we have to be sold out. We have to endure the pressure. And then we have to mix the word with faith. When we do this, this is when we're embracing our pastor. 
This is when we're embracing our fast because we're embracing the work that God put her here to do. We can say and we can do, we can give her beautiful baskets, we can give her all these types of things, but if we're not doing what God has called us to do, if we're not obeying Him, if we're not being productive believers in the body, if we're not all in place where we're supposed to be, we're not embracing. We don't understand the gift, or maybe we understand it and we've decided we don't want to do what God has said, and we're definitely not embracing it. Those who hear and understand the word are embracing the word. These people are equipped to serve and edify the body. They'll walk in unity and they'll be mature. So when you accept the word and you produce fruit, it'll, you'll become, you'll, you'll fall right in line with everything that we read in Ephesians. These people, they can understand. When you're doing that, you will understand the office, the gift, the person, the work of the pastor. And they'll appreciate the office, the gift, the work of the pastor. They'll honor the gift. You won't have to worry about what you're going to do next October because it's become your lifestyle. And not remember all those things, the byproduct. So remember, there are certain things that you're doing that you're producing. You're going to produce fruit spiritually. God wants to accomplish something spiritually, and then those natural things will just come because they're a byproduct of what God is doing in your life spiritually. Amen? Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.